Previously on Turn-Based Attack Lite. Uh, isn't something like Metroid, where it's like, hey man, the 3DS is, you know, you say you're still supporting it, let's say it has two, three years at most before you really need to do something to release something with a little more oomph, and there hasn't been a Metroid, a traditional Metroid game on this console? That's upsetting. I don't even consider myself, like, the biggest Metroid fan, but I've enjoyed every one I've played that's been a side-scroller, and it seems criminal uh, that that's not happened. So, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll use my one wish, uh, Genie, to say, let's get a Metroid game happening on the Switch or the 3DS or the something. Attack Light for June 20th, 2017. It is Tuesday. I am Lee. We're here to wrap up E3 2017 uh, with some lukewarm impressions, as it has been a full week since the show uh, started, quote-unquote. So EA did a uh, E3 uh, adjacent uh, thing called EA Play in Hollywood, uh, and they did a kind of press conference-y thing on Saturday night last week. And uh, didn't have much to show. Uh, I believe there was a new uh, game from the Brothers developers called uh, No Way Out, I think is what it was called. Uh, A co-op adventure through and through uh, where you play as two guys trying to escape prison, which looked actually really interesting. Otherwise, they had the standard uh, sports to show and a ton of Star Wars Battlefront 2 with, you know, because now the battle droids and Darth Maul are cool, inexplicably. Uh, We really hated them. Um, Let's say the movie came out and everybody was like, hey... They're all right. That's good fodder for Jedi's to cut in half. Then there was like a period of five, seven years where we just hated the crap out of them. Uh, then Force Awakens happened, and now we're kind of coming back around on Darth Maul and the battle droids. In any case, uh, they are very, very present in uh, Battlefront 2, as well as, uh, yeah, so the, the whole thing there is that you can have different armies and different factions from different time periods fighting it out uh, Star Wars style, I think is what I'm supposed to understand of that. I was half paying attention. Uh, after that, on Sunday, we had... Uh, we had Microsoft, uh, which I believe was in the kind of middle afternoon, uh, and then after that was Bethesda at night, and then uh, Ubisoft and uh, Sony on uh, Monday. Tuesday morning had the Nintendo Showcase, and then the show itself started. So let's talk about the conferences uh, themselves. So EA's was uh, was pretty standard. It had, uh, you know, you have your, your influencers, which is now just part of the, uh, you know, that, that's just a thing. That's just a word we say, and no one, uh, no one flinches when they say it. Uh, so th- those guys, not so good at reading off of prompters, evidently. There are a couple gaffes with that. Otherwise, I feel one of the least uh, cringeworthy uh, E3s as far as the conferences and spotlights were concerned. Microsoft had one where some guy, it, it was some new MOBA-esque action game where some dude with a beard who looked like Brian Posehn was standing on a pillar just shouting things about the game and you know nothing about the game. He's just just bombarding you with shouts about what is happening in the action of the game and uh, that's the worst way to, to represent a game. And speaking of Microsoft and Sony especially... Uh, of course, the the big the big thing there, other than Microsoft, of course, revealing a, a new console, was just a cavalcade of games. Just uh, let let's here they are here and here comes the games. Microsoft uh, sprinkled that throughout with which actual stayed presentations, people coming out and speaking. Whereas Sony just hit play on a trailer loop, uh, which I feel was a terrible way to to present things in in the way that we are expecting from E3. That is the way you you drop trailers. Uh, just whenever, like on a Friday, look look on Twitter for the new trailer. As far as a presentation goes, especially considering they sold tickets to this thing to watch it in the theater, uh, it's it's more of a just a show for them now. It's just a, a trailer, a glorified trailer reel, and uh, I, I think that was very ineffective. Some of the stuff they showed, don't get me wrong, was awesome. Uh, I, I definitely saw stuff across all of these press conferences uh, that I was actually really pleased with, and that kind of comes back around to the fact that uh, when you attend E three. Whether you go to the press conferences or not, uh, or whether you watch them on the sly while you're trying to, you know, get in and around the show, uh, you miss a lot. You miss a lot of the little details, especially the little stuff that gets announced after the press conferences or uh, via social media, because you're you're in it. Um, Whether you have an itinerary of stuff you need to do or you're speaking to someone, you're going to miss the little things. Being able to sit back... And uh, just have have that kind of come to you rather than you go to it and uh, try try not to miss anything that way was very refreshing. Just enjoying the conferences for what they were uh, and then actually seeking out information about the games I was looking to hear about rather than try to seek them out myself and play them. Uh, I found very relaxing, very, you know, it was very tranquil E3 
Uh, and uh, I had go- I've gone to six previous E3s. I skipped one year somewhere in the middle there. Um, and, you know, I- I've kind of run the gambit of it. I've been there more as a civilian. I obviously got in th- through an industry uh, connection, but I uh, was kind of on my own. Experienced E3 that way, what you can and can't do at E3. Uh, and then, you know, experienced it in the most recent times where we got Nintendo at this time. You go, you go in, here's all their games, you see them, you don't wait in line. And, you know, I saw Nintendo today, and it, it didn't take me 8 to 10 hours like some people uh, this time around uh, did. So, I've, I've run the gamut of experiencing E3. The thing I haven't experienced is the public year of E3, so I'm trying to uh, get my ear to the ground and just pick up on wh- what are people saying about this public E3? Because I've, I've heard both sides of it. Uh, I've heard from industry people, it doesn't really affect them. There's a lot of people on the floor, so it's hard to get around. Otherwise, if they're behind a, if they're in a booth, if they're in a closet somewhere doing doing E3 deals, those dirty E3 deals, nothing much has changed, uh, other than the fact that the the you know the masses are now flooding uh, E3. So you know everything that comes with that. People who attend cons, uh, th- th- again, it's an industry event, but people who attend cons uh, when there's fifteen thousand of them, all the usual con trappings go along with that, and the E3. Uh, you know, experience, the convention center, the ESA seem to do very little to compensate uh, for, for how many more people were going to be there. Uh, so hearkening back to these these press conferences and stuff like that, people, you know, even thought that the public passes would get them into something like that, and it just doesn't. Uh, you need some, most of them are invite only, or you can wait outside and hopefully get in. Uh, a lot of it is just queuing up. At E3, when, when you don't have, uh, you know, a promised spot or a time to go see something, it's queuing up. It's lining up. Uh, and it's waiting for your chance when they they let a certain amount of the public in. Even even in the lines, there are su- there are like metal lines. I had a VIP pass for EA uh, for one afternoon, so I'm like, oh crap, excellent. I'm gonna go see XYZ, and you're standing in line and you're in the VIP line. So there's the regular line where anyone can go queue up at any time. There's the VIP line which gets to cut the regular line. They let's say they can allow 30 people in, they'll allow 10 VIPs, 20 regular people. Uh, and, and that VIP line is never more than 20 people long, let's say. Uh, so even in the VIP line, you're waiting uh, half an hour to four, 45 minutes. And then on top of the VIP line, there's, you know, the other line where, oh, these people just need to get in right now. They are more important than they are more important than the very important people. So they got to go in too. And that's going to take a certain amount of spots from the public people. So you think you're at the front of the line and suddenly a big group shows up from, from who knows where. And they're going in ahead of you. And, uh, I, you know crap man all right so let's let's uh let's let's rein it in let's bring it back uh so from the media side of things kind of the same thing as the industry hard to get around uh they obviously are able to make their appointments so they're able to play games as long as they are they have planned out ahead that they're going to go to these places they've checked in they're going to go see these things so you know completing an itinerary a list of things you're going to see that day it's a little harder to get around but you still get there you go behind closed doors you see what you're going to see the thing that uh the media definitely is complaining about not being able to do is when you're on your way between meetings and you got half an hour to burn and there's a kiosk there of X game and you want to go you want to go play it real quick. Well now suddenly has everything has hours long lines everywhere you go. Uh very few places have have free kiosks where you can just jump on something and do it. So you're either just screwing around on your phone or you know, you're there early kind of thing, which is admittedly not a big deal. Uh, but it prevented a lot of people from playing a lot of games that they wanted to. And that's the media, mind you, who is not paying to be at the show, is in fact being paid to be at the show one way or another. So now we are left with the public who paid to get into the show. The show has been mostly unchanged. Apparently they did a few panels. Jeff Keighley ran. Uh, but other than that, the show proper is the same E3 that always was. The lines I saw going into that place, I, I have never been to an E3 where I didn't just walk in and walk straight into the show. Uh, if you're lining up because the show's not quite open yet, within five minutes, everybody's on the show floor getting to where they need to go. This this looked insane. Uh, that extra 15,000 people, it, it, it showed for sure. Um, I can imagine the concession sales. Oh my God. Uh, the worst $10.50 USD hot dog you've ever had. Slices of pizza for eight bucks uh, USD. Jesus Christ. Um, but you're hungry. You're going to eat. Uh, one of the things I should have said last week is if you're going to the show, please, God, pack some juice boxes and like granola bars. Go to Target. Get yourself some snacks and just uh, just feed on that until you, you leave the show and go to a proper restaurant later in the day. Uh, so with the uh, – <clears throat> let's run down the press conferences. Uh, what I've heard from people in the public, there's a minority of people, let's say a mino- minority to, uh, you know, a close to a split, where standing in line for eight hours, experiencing E3, 
and staying in line and getting to play that one thing that's out in two months or if it's Mario Odyssey you got there early you stood in line all day Wednesday and you got to see Mario and that's good enough for you I'm happy for you I'm happy for anyone who paid for that experience and and experienced E3 and had a great time uh that's that's fine I I really really do sympathize with people who that was not what they were expecting that was not what they were sold what what is this uh and while everybody did their best to try to warn people that hey realize if you're not there first thing and you don't queue up you you might go all three days without seeing the one thing you thought you went to e3 to see uh and that's a bummer but that's the reality of the situation so i don't know where e3 goes from here uh i as i mentioned last week it would make a lot of sense for them to do a split event if they're going to be stretching it out over a week anyway do two days for public two days for industry whatever the case uh and just make it so everybody can get what they need to do done and uh i think that's the best way going forward of course i don't make the rules so what do i know uh but let's let's you know kind of psychoanalyze the uh the the press conferences a little more microsoft came out uh the big concern with Microsoft was not their new console and what it can do and, and what the price is as much as it is. Will they have games that, uh, exclusive or not, whatever, that make the Xbox One a a viable competitor to Sony on that front? Um, the Xbox One is a, is a great console for third-party games. It and Sony's console are, are very, very similar right now. You get an Xbox One S, you get a PlayStation Slim. You know, the S is admittedly probably even a little more powerful, maybe? The thing that Xbox doesn't have is a is the Pro is the is the step up from that. Uh, the PS4 Pro is currently the most powerful console in the market. That's not just outrightly a, a PC. So the Scorpio Project Scorpio, what is it? When can we get it? And uh, what you know, what can it do? So we know the specs on the Scorpio already. We saw the design, and it looks like an old fat PS2, which is fine by me. Looks great, a matte gray color. Uh, they're going from the Scorpio, of course, not just the Xbox Scorpio. It's the Xbox One X, which if you just take the uh, t- front letter off of all those things, just spells Xbox. So no more X-Bone, no more uh, that garbage they got out in front of it. It's the Xbox One X. It's the Xbox, God damn it, and you can buy it this October. Uh, so I don't think pre-books or pre-orders have gone up on the Xbox One X yet. Um, I remember when the original Xbox One came out, and I think the PS4 for a bit too, the Xbox One especially... Um, it launched in certain regions at certain times. I don't know if you remember this. Like, the, the, this list of countries will get it this month. And this list of countries. And it was a really weird rollout. Uh, so I think uh, Phil, Phil Spencer said that this time it's going to be more of a wide rollout all at once. And uh, hopefully they'll have enough consoles to meet the demand. And that it br- brings us back to what what is the demand for this thing. It is super powerful. It is powerful enough to probably run VR if, if they so chose to allow such a thing on their console. It's, you know gonna play games natively in 4k that's crazy that's in insane but what games are we talking about we're talking about games that are also playable on pc because all xbox microsoft exclusives are also available on windows 10 now not everybody uses windows 10 no not not everybody prefers to use windows 10 not everybody has a pc that's anywhere near their current console never mind the xbox one x so we're talking about a very very niche audience of people and there was a time especially when the 360 launched where that was kind of everything just the well what does it look like are, is it run good are the graphics good and i don't think we're really there anymore as much as we claim to be uh we claim to like the p's we claim to like as many k's as possible uh we like the we like the frames we like the frames per second uh it's got you know is this thing running 60 is it you know is it locked at 30 what's the deal what's the deal um and if you've listened to the show before you know admittedly i'm is it fun? Is all I'm really caring about. Uh, does does a 4K, you know, gaming experience uh, appeal to me? Having seen very very few times playing video games in 4K, there's there's a noticeable difference. If you have a 4K TV and you're looking to buy an Xbox and you got the extra scratch laying around 499 US dollars, which could very well be encroaching on 700 dollars uh, or more in Canada, which is insane um, for for a console. You know that that's your prerogative. People who have PS4 Pros, I mean, it's got the HDR. It's it's running your games better. The Xbox One X will do that as well. Uh, but unless you have a 4K TV, you're really not getting the most out of it. So I would recommend against it. Of course, the 4K TV right now is already coming down in price. In a, a couple years from now, you'll be able to get a 40, 50 inch 4K television for for nothing for under a thousand bucks. Absolutely. So we're we're in an interesting time with technology. Uh, let's just say that. But of course, the thing that matters is the games on your gaming console, and I feel they underdelivered there. They showed a ton of stuff uh, of, of, off, of course, um, but 
the one thing that's missing is an exclusive that's just for that console. Obviously, they're not going to lead with something on the Xbox uh, One X that's exclusive to that, to that console to the people who, the rarefied air, the people who spend the $700 to play whatever it is. And does Microsoft even have that IP that would bring people in like that? Could they say Halo 6 is exclusive? Uh, to the Xbox One X, not coming to PC. This is the only place you can play it, and all the Halo people have... There would be a revolt, I tell you. Uh, but what they did show off exclusively is uh, Sea of Thieves, which is looking great. Uh, let's put aside the fact that all these games will also be on PC at the moment. Uh, sea of Thieves is looking fantastic. Uh, a whimsical pirate kind of MMO. Uh, Crackdown 3, we got Terry Crews talking Crackdown 3. That's coming from the, uh, the, I believe the creative director is the guy who did Saints Row 3 and Red Fraction uh, Armageddon, which is the one that had that really cool, uh, like, Geomod or whatever the heck it was, where you could, uh, was it the Geomod one? I think his was the one where you could knock down buildings and stuff and, like, hammer through a wall. Uh, and the idea of that kind of gameplay being in Crackdown sounds really neat to me. Um, so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to Crackdown quite a bit, and that's coming out at the end of the year, kind of after the, uh, the, the Xbox One X. Of course, the the story on Crackdown always was that we're going to store, we're going to store the game world and the multiplayer to the cloud, and uh, there'll be consistent destruction of uh, environments. So if you take down a building, that will be shown in the other person's game who loads in as well. Uh, they've completely scrapped that, or just didn't mention it again. The cloud is in the console; it's in there. They did announce that the Xbox One X has a vape chamber, for whatever that's worth. So it'll be like a high performance car. Uh, it'll just making all kinds of weird sipping noises. Uh, other than that, Forza, of course. Uh, they showed off State of Decay 2. I'm going to go to my cheat sheet now. Because, uh, you know, I can't possibly remember everything. Uh, here we go. Uh, Minecraft in 4K. Sure. I don't know who a- who asked for that. Uh, and on the flip side, uh, let's go over to Sony. So, uh, they showed Metro Ex- Exodus also running in, in 4K, which will be a multi-plat game. It's also coming to PlayStation 4. Uh, so who is the Xbox One X for before we get to, to Sony? I don't know. Um, if they're, you know, if you're a real graphics monger or you need to have the most powerful thing, this is for you. The issue, Microsoft, is that there is no reason, there's no exclusive reason to, to own this console like there used to be. Uh, so what you are selling is kind of the equivalent of a, of a Steam box, something that's going to plug into your TV that is ostensibly a, a PC. Uh, but but doesn't have the the functionality of one, so unless you open the doors up and it, you're just like it, it's a PC, it's a really powerful Windows 10 PC that has this Xbox UI that you can load up onto it and maybe release that for the PC as well. Uh, you can use keyboard and mouse. It it you know you can go on Facebook. It's got it's got window. Uh, it's got Internet Explorer. It's just a PC, guys, with really good specs at kind of a discount because you're buying it as an Xbox and you can't really upgrade it. Or maybe you can. They haven't really said anything about that. I thought I'd be expecting to be like, hey, and also it's got this crazy processor in it and it's got all this RAM, blah blah blah. But it is expandable. You can do X Y Z, and that wasn't something they announced. So, uh, going over to PlayStation, which talked very little about hardware at all uh people were expecting maybe they had a follow-up to the pro that would be uh you know comparable to the xbox uh one x and thankfully sony didn't do that because for the same reasons uh you don't have to play that game with them you can just show games and that's all they did to the to the ire of the internet uh who you know some people like the, the presentation they like the people who work on the games to come out and speak passionately uh, and that's we'll talk about Ubisoft in a little while, which was exactly that. That's that's a the perfect mix. Microsoft and Sony can learn something from Ubisoft this year, which is crazy to think because Ubisoft is a burning tire fire most every other year. Um, but I digress. Let's go to PlayStation. So Days Gone, which I've heard is not great. Uh, doesn't look all that innovative or cool. What that game looks like is two to three years ago when Walking Dead and Daryl from Walking Dead were the coolest shit around. Someone pitched a biker zombie game and they were like, absolutely. That is the number one most popular thing right now. It's 2014. Uh, and now the game's coming out and Walking Dead has definitely fallen out of fa- uh, favor, at least around these parts. Uh, and this just looks like a been there, done that kind of situation and doesn't really, you know, People are like, well, yeah, but what about the tidal wave of zombies? I have specifically heard that that is a late game thing and isn't a thing that will always happen and is kind of a backdrop to everything else that's going on. So whatever. God of War looks awesome. Uh, I have played most of the God of War releases and liked most of them. My my main gripes with that series comes from how brief they are. And I get it's a cinematic story. I never feel ripped off playing a, a God of War game per se. Uh, but you compare it to something like Devil May Cry, which is also a, a, a more of a character action game than... 
what God of War claims to be, but Devil May Cry is a seven, eight hour game. God of War can be beaten in an hour. Uh, and I'm referring to the first one here. Uh, I don't remember if I ever beat the third one, but I definitely tried it. I know it wasn't very long, so I don't know why I wouldn't have ever completed it, but this new game is looking fantastic. Uh, so more of an over-the-shoulder view. Does look like it has some hack-and-slash gameplay in it. Uh, lots of cool uh, things to do with the the axe. You have a boy with you. Uh, to tra- you know, to uh, to translate uh, foreign languages like that of a giant world snake uh, that gave me goosebumps during the uh, the trailer. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, so God of War is looking pretty sweet, and no idea when that's coming out. Uh, Spider-Man, I was extremely disappointed. It's what they ended their show with, and that's Insomniac Spider-Man. And as someone who, as one of the 12 people, maybe, who played the amazing Spider-Man games that were based on the uh, the movies, the Andrew Garfield movies, uh, those were basically, were not going to innovate at all. We have taken the web-swinging mechanic from Spider-Man 2 that everybody keeps friggin' talking about, but maybe he doesn't realize has aged ho-hum. It's aged in the same way the first time you accelerated with the R2 button instead of the X button uh, aged, where it's just the standard now. Uh... I'm being very cynical about the Spider-Man game, but basically I have I have played this game already. I played those amazing Spider-Man games, which everybody's like, oh, Spider-Man is getting the Arkham Asylum treatment. But Spider-Man has already had the Arkham Asylum treatment in the previous two games he was in, where you hit triangle to counter when the thing pops up above his head. You have all these different abilities. You have the open world swinging. You have the boss fights that take place uh, in the open world. Uh, so not much innovating here, other than the fact that it's not tied to a movie license, so they can go some places with it. And where do they go? Kingpin and Mr. Negative. Whatever. I like Insomniac, and I'm sure the game will be fine. The amount of quick-time events and things like that I saw in the uh, the gameplay, quote-unquote, that they showed. Uh, again, I want to be Spider-Man doing cool things. I don't want to push X when I am prompted to to make Spider-Man do the cool things. I'm, I'm kind of beyond that. I know God of War is really guilty for that, too. And believe me, if that new game has a lot of that, too, I'll be talking about it. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Last of Us 2, that's a game that's coming out. I don't know. Uh, man, I thought Last of Us 1 was, was perfectly good. I think it's maybe a bit, you know, I'll say it. I'll say it right here, June 20th, 2017. Last of Us is overrated in a big bad way. Uh, the story is fine. It's not predictable, I guess. There's a, there's a twist at the end. It's well-written, well-acted. Everybody in it's doing good things. It's a triple-A friggin' game exclusive to Sony from Naughty Dog. It's fantastic, uh, but I am not really excited for a sequel, uh, and I don't really understand the fanfare this this many years later. If I, You know, when you look at Naughty Dog's offering on the PS3, if I'm going to play one game, it's going to be Uncharted 2. It's not It's not going to be Last of Us uh, as, as much as, you know, I did enjoy my time with it. Uh, Death Stranding was kind of absent. Didn't really see that from Sony. They showed a lot of Detroit, which sounds like it has an extensive script. Uh, they went nuts on that. That's, of course, from the uh, Beyond Two Souls Heavy Rain uh, department there. And, uh, you know, fine. We got we got androids, and they're fighting for their rights, and there's a bunch of different story threads, and, and you kind of make your own whatever. Those are fun. I've enjoyed every one of those, and I'm sure I'll enjoy this too. I'll, I'll enjoy messing with it. Uh, Gran Turismo Sport is alive and will be coming out later this year, supposedly. It looks like they're maybe going more of an arcade route like, like Forza at some point. Took the turn for. We'll see. Uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy uh, was showed, I think, uh, up top in the uh, in the press conference, and uh, the sound was cut out on the stream I was listening to, so I don't know what the hell's going on there, but you have an Uncharted game without its major selling point being Nathan Drake. So we'll see how that goes. It is a budget price DLC game, which is a thing that Sony seems to be doing with their popular first-party titles. Uh, Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon? Yeah. Zero, Zero Horizon? Zero Horizon. <laughs> Zero Horizon, Zero Dawn. Zero Horizon? Lost Horizon? Zero Dawn? Jesus Christ. Uh, that game is getting a DLC as well. Um, amongst the other things that Sony sh- sh- yeah, showed off. But again, nothing in between. Just rolling trailers. And uh, it was it was a little jarring. They showed off a lot of VR too, which I'll say I'm excited for. Maybe not so much a Final Fantasy fishing game, uh, but something like Moss, uh, the the little mouse puzzle game that looks adorable. I'm, I'm into that. Skyrim VR, I was like, that looks that sure yes. Until I realized they're going to charge full price for it, and apparently, unless they do have a walking mechanic and it is a teleporting VR game, meaning you don't push the stick forward to move, you point at where you want to go and then appear there. Uh, so I don't know if that and Fallout has the option of one or the other, because obviously just walking, holding a stick while you're in VR, uh, is very nauseating for most people. So we'll see uh, We'll see what the solution there is. But it's good to know that there are v- VR games coming. They definitely had to do, uh, had to had to show off, showcase some VR stuff. Vita's another thing. They just seem to, 
you know, Vita is the kid that ran away from home and is actually doing pretty okay, but they don't really like talking about. Um, it's doing pretty okay in the sense that you can't buy one anywhere, uh, but they're releasing games for it, and it's it's still a thing that is, is popular in niche circles. I like the Vita. Hell yeah, let me hear it for the Vita. All right. Uh, so let's talk uh, about Bethesda really briefly. Their whole new, uh, you know, uh, mentality is we are not going to talk about games or reveal games unless they are very close within six months, I think this is, they said, of being released. So when people think there's a sci-fi Elder Scrolls, when people think that there's a uh, Elder Scrolls 6 or a Fallout 5, uh, you it's going to be like Fallout 4. You're not going to hear about this game until it's coming out later that year or in a few months now, which... I think is awesome. I think that's the, <laughs> I think that's honestly the way to go. I think they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Uh, I, I think self-admittedly they said it's because of haters and they just don't want to deal with uh, fan backlash if the game has to then be delayed or something like that. They're going to make sure it's mostly in the can. Hey, this is what you're getting. It's out this day. Boom. And we're not sending out any review copies. So what do they have? Uh, they showed some Quake. They showed uh, the new Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, which seemed to be the main game they were featuring. Uh, and they also showed... Dishonored is getting a DLC. Uh, they talked about Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind, which is admittedly doing pretty well for them, I'm to understand. And Evil Within 2, which uh, one one Lee confirmed was a game that was in development uh, like two years ago. Uh, that's what that studio... They, they did Evil Within 1, and before that game was released, they were working on Evil Within 2. So hopefully they uh, they listened to some of the gripes people had with it. The letterboxing and the etc. I just make a wacky Japanese horror game from Bethesda, of all people. But that's what's happening with them. Ubisoft, I really enjoyed. So, uh, you know, lots of French accents on uh, on stage. But really genuine. Came across very genuine this week. Usually they have uh, Aisha Tyler uh, hosting it, and they go for the yucks. They, they try to entertain the internet audience. This time, they did a kind of back-to-basics. Here is this person that works on this game. Here's what they're making. Here's a trailer or a reveal. And now here's quickly someone to talk about it. And basically had, with an extra half an hour, had what Sony's uh, conference was lacking to make it truly uh, special. And uh, there were a number of moments in this Ubisoft thing that that stick with me. Uh, one of them, they were talking about Mario and Rabbids. And freaking Shigeru Miyamoto comes out to a wrestling entrance. He comes through like a, a curtain of fog with laser lights and he's holding like a, one of the cannons from the game. And, uh, so, so David Soliani, and it could be Davide, uh, it's Italian. I don't, Rob's not here to help me with the pronunciation. Uh, but he is the creative designer on this Mario Rabbids game. And when Miyamoto was on stage, uh, Bill Trinan was, was translating, uh, what he was saying. He's saying, Hey, when I met with this guy, and, you know, it's very important. I wanted them to make a Mario game that wasn't a jump game. I wanted them to take Mario in a new direction, do something completely new with him, if they were going to use this property. And what they did was spectacular. And it cuts this guy in the crowd. And I think uh, Polygon even ran a, a story just about this today. And this guy is just welling up. He, his, his childhood hero is standing on stage saying, Hey, you used my son, basically, you used Mario in a, ga- in a game that's not a Nintendo game. And you really impressed me, and we're really excited about it. I'm here talking about your game that's coming out. Uh, and this guy's just a heap of tears, which once they showed him on, on camera crying, of course, he elicited more applause. Uh, and, and good for him. Fant- that's what E3's about, man. You get these people in a room together. Uh, you get to see the people behind the game. And suddenly there's a huge heart behind Mario Rabbids. This game I was like, oh, man, cheap cash in. Just put Rabbids and Mario together. No, no, no. This guy is making XCOM with Mario and Rabbids. And Miyamoto's there, and he's like, I'm liking it. I, I wouldn't have thought of this. This is great. This is great. And you look at the game, you're like, it's whimsical. It's It's got a sense of humor. It's got heart behind it. This guy clearly cares for the Mario characters. And uh, he, unfortunately, he has to use the rabbits. But uh, it's it's great. That Little moments like that uh, throughout uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, which I couldn't give a shit about. I'm not a huge fan uh, of the first game or, or what's going on or the universe built around it. But hell, when you see those people come out and they're like, man... You know how many times we've probably restarted production on this game, or how many times we were told that the game was dead, and then it was back, and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Here's a trailer for it, and hopefully it comes out this time, because the last time they showed a trailer for it, nothing really came of it. And uh, from the what I gathered from the conversation uh, on stage after and before, uh, we shouldn't expect it anytime real soon. So, I don't know what the hell's going on, uh, but with the Mario Rabbids thing and everything else Ubisoft showed, their, their stock went up. Uh, I... I'm speaking very positively of them. Of them, even though they made a multiplayer game based on the naval combat of Assassin's Creed, at least they knew enough. And I'm 
coming right at Activision for this. They knew enough to take the the thing that's really not like the other thing and pull it out and make its own game of it so that fans of that have something dedicated they can play while the other thing can move on on its own. And when I say Activision, I'm referring to Call of Duty Zombies. Why the fuck isn't there just Call of Duty Zombies? What? Call of Duty Zombies, Call of Duty Zombies 2, whatever the case, uh, eventually drop the Call of Duty from it and you just have a series called Zombies uh, instead of shoehorning it as a minigame into each release. And I understand that adds supposed value to your Call of Duty game, uh, but in the case of something like this year where you have a World War II game coming out and now you have a World War II game that has zombies in it, uh, the tone is uh, is lost uh, a little bit on the on the thing you're trying to do. So... Uh, so that's Colin Bones, which is a 5v5, I think, ship combat. Sure, looks great. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. So we're in Egypt now. You can climb things in Egypt. You uh, There's RPG elements. You get different weapons, and they have numbers on them. And then you kill other things to make the numbers go bigger. And then you Assassin's Creed around in ancient Egypt. Sure, whatever. Uh, fans of Assassin's Creed, knock yourselves out. I'm good. I think I'm uh, I'm done with Assassin's Creed, and on you know, let's while we're bashing Ubisoft here in the middle of the Ubisoft Love Fest, I think Far Cry Five looks like crap. Uh, I think it looks exactly the same as the last three games they have done now, three, four, and Primal, all using the exact same. You know, what, Primal introduced pets, so of course now Five has pets. Sure, why not? Um, there's no major leap there. They're they're not doing anything different. Uh, I don't know what I want out of Far Cry, but all I know is I'm looking at certain Ubisoft games from afar, and they're all becoming the same game. It's a map filled with many icons. Uh, games are borrowing, like Assassin's Creed borrowed this from Far Cry. Far Cry borrowed this from Assassin's Creed. The crew is borrowing things from both games, and that's a freaking car racing game. Uh, towers to activate, absolutely. It's it's kind of a, a weird joke now. And uh, I would like to see Ubisoft stuff move away from that. I don't know, you know, with, with dev cycles on games, I don't know when that is. I don't know if they're trying to churn these out. I, I, I don't... You look at something like Watch Dogs 2, which clearly they took a little more time with, didn't just follow up Watch Dogs 1 immediately uh, with the second game. And there was a lot different in that game. Um, the, thing, the things I didn't like about Watch Dogs 2 didn't stem from what Ubisoft did or didn't do in a, in a gameplay mechanic way. There are new things they did that made that feel like a fresh game, made it, made it feel like uh, a sequel that took things and learned from the previous, whereas it seems now that, hey, Assassin's Creed, we polished over the things that were wrong with it, so here's a, a really, not perfect, but here's a really, really good informed version of Assassin's Creed 2. We can set this game anywhere now, and it's just going to work. Far Cry is the same thing. We can set Far Cry now anywhere in the world. Name it. We'll figure it out. We'll find some local animals you can kill to make new wallets. We'll find a local militia you can beat up. We'll find some people you can save. We'll find some vehicles you can drive. And uh, that's what you should be expecting, and that's what you're going to get. But the the innovation is, is, I think, left behind, which is so weird for Ubisoft, who has, has done things with new IPs, has is doing things like Mario Rabbids, uh, is is doing cool things like Skull and Bones uh, for them to just rely, uh, I guess, on the bread and butter, the, the things that they know sell. This is this is the Assassin's Creed for this year. This is the Far Cry for this year, which is a little disappointing. Um, I, I mean, Bethesda absolutely can be accused of the same thing, uh, going from Oblivion to Fallout to Skyrim to Fallout 4, uh, other than the, the clear changes uh, it, it, between the games, like Skyrim doing away with weapon durability, uh, follow introducing a whole settlement building mechanic. Uh, if if that really doesn't speak to you, the core mechanics of the game are the same and and still janky, not completely worked out. But at least with Ubisoft, like I said, they've gotten to a point where like, hey, this game is is going to work, and it's been informed by the previous games. Here's a good version of that thing you already like. Whereas Bethesda's like, here's more. We, we've added more of the things you like about this game. Uh, the jankiness is still there it, as an enjoyability factor. Uh, it's taken a hit for that. So I'm kind of droning on now uh, about video games, which is something I like to do. Uh, but let's wrap up the, the press conference uh, conversation here with, with Nintendo, who did a showcase. It was a 30-minute YouTube video, essentially, that they just hit public on at a certain time and just ran some games as well. Of course, Nintendo had the uh, the interjections of their, their usual faces there uh, to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, frame... Uh, what they were announcing, but the big takeaways from there, of course, they uh, they had to come out and say because the internet, you know, got its panties in a bunch about uh, po- Pokemon on the Switch. 
they they had a Pokemon Direct and didn't announce Pokemon on the Switch. How dare they not talk about the thing that may or may not exist before it's ready? Uh, so the internet was really mad, and Nintendo took it upon themselves to just film a dude working at his desk, being like, it, it's going to happen, shut up. And people were like, oh yeah, they confirmed it, I told you. That's, be patient, Jesus Christ. Maybe Bethesda's onto something with their, their six-month thing. Like, you know what, screw you, Pokemon on console, on Switch, we're going to announce it the day of. Deal with that shit. Uh, but, I digress, Nintendo had a bunch of great stuff to show, they're really really down with the crafting supplies Yoshi, because uh, he's getting a third game on the uh, Switch early next year. There's a Kirby game that looks like Return to Dreamland, which is fantastic. Kirby kind of, like, strayed after the N64 Kirby. Like, on GameCube, he had some weird stuff going on. We've got some Tilt and Tumble. The DS had, like, Mass Attack and a bunch of weird Kirby games. Now he's just gone back to just Kirby Superstar again and again. And uh, I'm okay with this. I think Kirby's actually maybe even out-parsing Mario for just straight-up platformers. Just like, you're playing a Kirby game, you're sucking enemies up, and you're moving left to right. I think he, uh, I think he's eclipsed Mario for that now. If you think about it, probably not. It's probably false. Uh, there's a new Kirby game coming in 2018. There was a new Metroid Prime from an unknown developer. I don't know if that was ever revealed. Metroid Prime 4 will be coming to the Switch sometime next year. And they, of course, showed some arms, uh, some pockin some friggin super mario odyssey so let's talk about that uh nintendo with with zelda and and you know what this is harkening back to the ubisoft bethesda thing they took the thing that was established that they were fine making a more and more polished version of again and again and they kind of kind of you know pulled back the curtain a little bit and they're like yeah nintendo's weird and in an open world setting when they're they're kind of going for the quirky they're excellent at it. And uh, the Super Mario Odyssey trailer is kind of all... So you get a possessed hat. The reason the hat has eyes is it's, there's a ghost in there. And uh, you throw that, you frisbee that at things, and then the thing wears the hat and gets a mustache, and then you are the thing. Uh, which is not too different from that everything game uh, I've been playing on PS4 recently. So the trailer starts with a T-Rex, and then you realize the T-Rex has a mustache and a hat, and Mario's inside there, and he's going to different worlds, and he's possessing things, and he's having a good time. And, uh, you know, nightmares uh, ensue. So that game looks fantastic and surprising me, uh, especially it's coming out in October. On the same day as Wolfenstein and Assassin's Creed. So, uh, you know, hedge your bets, people. And for anyone getting bent out of shape uh, by the fact that a lot of Switch games are currently online for $20 or 10 to $20 more, depending on where you live, uh, than they usually are MSRP, that is just a placeholder. Nintendo doesn't like to announce and send out sell sheets for their stuff when they uh, they first announce it. If they don't want to, let the world just kind of sit on it. And uh, so what happens there is instead of using common sense, uh, retailers then mark it up just in case Nintendo decides to make the game worth more, let's say in Canada, than $79.99. I know they marked it at 100 bucks at, let's say, Best Buy locally. And uh, that's kind of just a big competition, like just a big stubborn competition because Best Buy in their heart of hearts knows it's an $80 game and Nintendo in their heart of hearts knows they will announce it at an $80 game but in the interim Best Buy is going to be like no we're going to market it at 100 deal with that online people are going to be yelling at you for making a $100 Mario game and Nintendo's just like you jerks uh, so that's exactly what's happening there uh, and they did it last year uh, I know you know maybe not as many people were really excited about Paper Mario Color Splash but that game definitely was online for $20 more than what it ended up being MSRP uh, when it was announced, so everybody calmed down. Uh, that game looks fantastic, and then of course after the Nintendo's presentation, they kind of rolled into the Treehouse, or whatever you have it, where they announced a billion new Amiibos, uh, as well as a new friggin' 3DS Metroid game, but we got we got a problem. I'm sorry to say, and I know, I tried to Nostradamus uh, Metroid games from Nintendo, and it worked twofold, but we got Mercury, Mercury Stream... I believe is what they're called, uh, working on this Metroid game. And until I play it, I'm going to withhold anything I'm going to say. I'm buying a 2D Metroid game, a 2.5D Metroid game. I'm buying it no matter what. You could This thing could review terrible. I'm going to play this Metroid game and put my money where my mouth is. However, those guys did make the worst Castlevania game I ever played in uh, Mirror, of, Mirror of Fate, was it, on the 3DS? Uh, and I, I don't understand how they keep getting these IPs to work on. Look them up on Wikipedia. And uh, I, I'm not gonna, just going to sit here and badmouth these guys anymore. Uh, I want to play their Metroid game, and I'm, I'm happy that they made one. I'm happy that, apparently, they were trying to make a 2D Metroid game for a long time. And uh, much like Beyond Good and Evil, they kept being told, ah, maybe you don't want it. Uh, maybe, you know what? Yeah, keep start working on that again. 
Uh, and this, of course, puts into perspective Nintendo shutting down that fan-made Metroid 2 project uh, from, from a few weeks ago. So... There you have it. There's the press conferences from E3. I, I was a little sporadic in, in touching on the show itself and how people felt about it from the public. So if you were there, tell me about it. I quite enjoyed myself sitting at home uh, and at work and just kind of letting E3 come to me and, uh, and, and really realizing the breadth of what was announced. And there is a ton of great games uh, that were announced. I am uh, far more excited... Uh, this year in in things that are coming out in the next year than I have been in previous years. So I did record a list of the uh, the best games, or the things I am most excited for, and coincidentally enough, I completely left all of them out of this conversation. Uh, Ooblets for the PC and the Xbox One looks like an adorable Animal Crossing-esque thing where you grow uh, little animals. The thing that turned me on in that game is I saw a gif of just the animation and how, how the characters move in the game. I'm like, that is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Uh, and then proceeded to uh, to find out more information about it, and I can't wait to play that game. Uh, me and Krista both. Uh, Anthem, which is Bioware's new game from their, let's say, lead team. I'll, I'll call them that. Uh, and that looks like Iron Man Destiny. Uh, you can fly around in third person. You have a bunch of weapons and a cool robot suit. It's the future. You are some kind of cool guy that goes outside the established human town because something terrible happened. It is Destiny, but with mech suits. It's kind of like Destiny and Warframe mixed together. Uh, a new Ori from Microsoft I was excited for. The Last Night, an indie game, which I believe was shown at Microsoft as well? Uh, Wargroove, uh, which is the new game from uh, the, the dude behind uh, Star Starbound. Uh, freaking Stardew Valley, I believe, is uh, where Wargroove's coming from. That looked pretty cool as well. Looked like you make your own Fire Emblem. I'm down with that. Uh, so, yeah. Tons of cool stuff. I'm excited for all those games. I'm excited for the VR stuff they showed off. I'm excited for... It's the best time to play video games. Uh, but let's let's wrap up E3. Um, I know I've, I've forgotten things that I that I wanted to talk about. Something I will uh, mention that I enjoy every E3, uh, and that's Giant Bomb's coverage of, of E3. Their night shows. If you want a candid conversation with some uh, some luminaries from the gaming uh, industry, you cannot beat that. And uh, usually, it's the thing I fall asleep to during E3 when we're at the show. Uh, this year, I got I had the pleasure of just just watching them in their entirety in real time, and uh, certain highlights. Uh, Ed Boon was on there, and he was talking about the arcade days of Mortal Kombat as, as it is its 25th anniversary. Uh, Jeff had a one-on-one with Phil Spencer on the couch for about an hour, and that was uh, enlightening. He is—he's really tuned in. He's a—he's the best guy for Microsoft. He is—he came in when the Xbox and video games were on the lowest rung of things that Microsoft was concerned about, and that guy turned around the messaging on the Xbox and has done everything in his power. The only thing he can't do is exclusive games now that it's paired with the, the PC. Um, and that's a bummer. But that, that stuff's all fun. Uh, obviously, if you're not a fan of the uh, uh, the site and the people who, who run it, you can avoid uh, the, the editor parts, of course. Uh, but I would say definitely listen to uh, to the developer interviews and the, the people from the industry talking. I thought it was really, really interesting. Other than that, uh, you know, shout-outs to everybody who, who covers E3. The, the amount of production... Uh, that go from most every site that goes into this friggin' show and and how they cover it now is is really quite astounding and uh, we we take it for granted I think uh, the, the thing the, what we have now what we have for coverage for E3 uh, to enjoy it from all the way uh, up here in Canada or around the world is is phenomenal and uh, I don't I think we all take it for granted to be completely honest with you so tweet your favorite E3 coverage person and tell them they did a good job I guarantee you it'll brighten their day all right. Uh, let's quickly talk about games that are out and things I've been playing before we uh, just shut her down for the day. Um, games out this week, of course, Dead by Daylight is out. Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood. Final Fantasy XIV is a fantastic game. A Realm Reborn and On is a fantastic MMO and people should be playing it. Uh, if I had the time, I would. God Wars Future Past, PS4 and PS Vita is out. At the end of the week, Ever Oasis is coming uh, to the 3DS on Friday, which you should check out. I believe there's a demo for it, so by all means. Next week, we have Danganronpa, another episode coming to the PS4, being ported from the uh, Vita, I believe. RPG Maker Fez is coming to North America on the 3DS next week. Uh, the Golf Club 2. I don't know what the fate of PGA Tour is currently, uh, so maybe you want to check that out. Valkyria Revolution will be coming to the PS4, Vita, and Xbox One. And uh, it was supposed to be Summon Night 6, but that's getting pushed back to August, North America, I believe. And then, of course, on the 30th of June, we have the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and Tokyo Xanadu. Uh, so, you know, the summer is the summer. Uh, there's stuff sprinkled throughout. A pretty good summer, I would say, for the 3DS, uh, which has at least four games coming out in the next month that, that I'm actually personally interested in. 
the Switch is, you know, humming along with its one major release uh, a month. All they have to do is uh, fill fill things in on the eShop, get that virtual console or the equivalency uh, going, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm noticing things on this list here that I've already forgotten to talk about. Stuff like Tacoma, stuff like um, That's You, that weird thing that they showed right before the P- PS4 uh, or the PlayStation press conference started that was like Jackbox, but through but if someone shitty made it <laughs> uh sonic mania i've heard is going to be absolutely fantastic i've heard hands-on things that i wasn't supposed to hear about that game and i can't wait to play that game will it be a return to form for sonic i i don't know is it is it too late uh but we'll we'll stop talking about new releases uh new releases there for the summer uh what, what have i been playing i got a new game on playstation vr mind you uh called uh polybius uh, based on the name of the Phantom 80s arcade game made by the U.S. government, or whatever the hell it was, uh, which has been parodied to death, including on The Simpsons. You can look up Polybius online. This is from the Tempest 2000 developer, a guy who's been making friggin' laser spacecraft shooting video games for, for a long, long time. And this game is kind of weirdly a VR parody of that, I would call it. Uh, your your perspective is really psychedelic. You have kind of Atari graphics looking things flying at you real quick you're driving through gates you're shooting uh you're getting a high score and i am loving it that is a really good uh, short time like vr experience a good way to warm up to a vr session because you, you much like an arcade game you play it once you get as far as you can on a life you get shields if you play properly or good and uh you see how far you can go and when you're done you log your high score and the game's over and that's it that that's the game uh, so that's Polybius, and that's about 20 bucks on the PSN, and I uh, recommend it for people who like Thumper. Holy crap. Thumper is a really good comparison to this, and a lot of, uh, Thumper was a bigger profile PlayStation VR release. So if you like that, you might want to check out this. Fallout 4, been uh, been kind of, you know, dredging my way through that. More Tekken 7, trying to get a little uh, a little better at that. I like the uh, the fan base around Tekken 7. I like uh, where, where people's heads are at, and I think it's all because of Street Fighter 5. And let's talk about that for a little bit. So Street Fighter... Five was one thing. Uh, Marvel's uh, Capcom Infinite is another thing. They released a story demo that people are kind of shitting all over. And on uh, top of that, Dragon Ball uh, was it Dragon Ball Fighters with a Z is looking absolutely phenomenal. And that's coming from the Guilty Gear uh, guys currently, and that's a three v three kind of looks like Marvel's Capcom two or three with the the insanity on screen. And I've heard nothing but great things about that game. And speaking about. Uh, Nothing but great things. Uh, I, I, I'm completely remiss to not mention that they're bringing Monster Hunter to the friggin' PS4 and Xbox One, which was genuinely surprising, uh, considering we were all just kind of sitting back waiting for, hey, maybe they'll localize Double Cross on the Switch. That would be cool. Uh, it turns out they're not doing that, as far as we know, but they will be bringing a, high, like a, a proper high-res Monster Hunter to the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One this spring. It looks absolutely fantastic. The things I have heard about that game, drop-in, drop-out co-op, being able to switch weapons on the fly. Jesus Christ. I'll be talking about that game more in the spring, so let's stop talking about it now. Uh, ARMS. Played a very little bit of that. Tried to try a little bit of all the uh, the modes there they're available. Uh, I was told to immediately start with a pro controller instead of the motion stuff, so I haven't tried the motion stuff yet. I do intend to. Uh, but with a pro controller... They give you kind of a basic tutorial at the front, but you do kind of have to go digging for the uh, the information, such as what's different between the characters, because they all have kind of like a different quirk to them, as well as different nuances of the game. The fact that you can dash and hold that down to do to charge up your fists, the fact that when you block for a certain amount of time, you charge your fists up. Uh, all little stuff like that is kind of not mentioned uh, in the initial tutorial you get. And if you try to play competitively or on a harder difficulty immediately after... Uh, uh, going through that simple tutorial, you'll get your ass kicked, basically. Uh, and it's not really a, a, it's not really a fighting game. It is uh, a battle of a, a joust, let's say, a, a rock paper scissors with jumps. Uh, so if I do this and you do that, you nullify me. If I do this and you do the same thing, we can nullify each other. If I do this and it has the advantage over the thing you're trying to do because I didn't do the other thing, I win. Uh, and that's the gist of Arms. Uh, the presentation, the characters, the music, everything, the Nintendo is top-notch at that. The different modes are pretty cool. There's a volleyball mode in there I quite enjoy. There's also a versus 100 uh, enemies where enemies just keep spawning and you punt, you land one good punch to destroy them. That was kind of fun. And uh, I don't know. There's places you can go with... with our, I don't know. See, I haven't played enough of it. I don't know it, it, how shallow the experience is. I feel like there's a lot more I, I have, have yet to do. 
But if it's really just the same things I have already done in, in different modes, let's say, like versus versus Grand Prix versus the other modes I played, uh, I, I don't really know what to expect. I don't know if that game needed to be seventy nine ninety nine here in Canada. I don't know if that needed to be a full price game. It might might well have uh, served itself as a uh, forty dollar game. But uh, liking it so far. I don't know. Cave Stories out on the uh, the Switch today as well. Cave Story Plus. So look into that. If you get the physical version, it comes with an NES inst- style instruction manual as well as a soundtrack. That's badass. All right. Other than that, Fire Emblem Echoes. Uh, I'm f- 15 to 20 hours into that game now, and I can pretty safely say it's my favorite Fire Emblem on the 3DS. Most feels like, even though they did away with the weapon circle and stuff like that, with, with the scenarios they set up, uh, it feels like it feels like a Fire Emblem Gaiden or a side story, as it were, where they're setting up specific uh, scenarios where you're like, hey, this is a castle full of mages. F- fucking deal with that. Uh, and they're super deadly against most of your units. Uh, I just recently, with one of my two armies, because you control two armies for, I, I imagine, the middle of the game, and then they combine forces near the end. Uh, one of my, my characters leveled up into something where they finally have a really high resistance stat, so they can stand there and get pelted by mages for, like, one HP. Meanwhile, knights, which are usually your most defensive units, have, like, two or three resistance stat. So they're taking, like, if they get hit twice by a mage, they're actually going to go down. And that's a problem uh, when you're playing on classic mode where people stay dead. Even though I did find a shrine where I was able to revive a character. Go figure. Which I like. I like the limited... Uh, I, I like that. I like the idea that if I do lose one character somewhere in a fight, I can go back to this this one shrine and maybe that shrine will allow me to, to heal that character. Uh, another cool thing is there's a cog mechanic in a turn wheel where you can at any time turn back the current game you're playing to a previous turn. So if you do lose somebody and you're like, you know what? Uh, I, yeah, I'm gonna go out with uh, I'm gonna go on without them because this this has co- already cost me an hour of my time. And then you realize that oh, it wasn't that hard after all. You can roll back and totally uh, try to save that unit in a in a kind of cool uh, time lord way. Uh, so I really like Fire Emblem Echoes. I like the characters in it, even though they're not admittedly as developed as uh, other characters in Fire Emblem because that's what they focused on in Awakening and Fates was uh, characters and their relationships. This just feels I don't know, man. It's, it's appealing to me uh, as someone who came into Fire Emblem when it first came out in North America on like the Game Boy Advance. So I'm really liking Fire Emblem Echoes is the thing you can take away from this. Nintendo's killing it. All right. Uh, so that about does it for the show this week. Our E3, our sloppy E3 wrap-up, uh, as well as what I've been playing. So, uh, you know, sound off in the comments. You can always uh, reach us at TurnBaseAttack on Twitter, Facebook.com slash TurnBaseAttack. Uh, to, to hit us up on, on Facebook, of course. You can email me, lee at tisoftheiceberg.com or at uh, turnbasedattack.com. Send us your questions, your topics, whatever it is. We'll have a regular show coming up very shortly here in the summer. It's been a, a busy month, let's just say. And uh, that's about it for the show today. So thank you for listening. That's E3 2017. The future of E3 is relatively unknown. What, what that show will look like next year, what that will change, if anything. Uh, but one thing is for sure, we, the gamers win <laughs> with uh how many uh how many games were announced how much quality stuff is coming our way vying for your uh your dollars uh so choose wisely get it get excited get hype and let's uh let's all enjoy some video games together that's turn stack